President Trump fires the FBI director. Donald Trump Jr. speaks to the state GOP. That plus private school voucher waivers denied and more. On Indiana Week in Review for the week ending May 12, 2017. Ice Miller is proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, President Donald Trump fired FBI Director James Comey, drawing swift reactions from around the Hoosier and national political landscapes. Was no good time in his dismissal letter, Trump and cited fact, Comey's handling of the Hillary Clinton investigation as cause for the firing. Vice President Mike Pence called it the right decision. The president took strong and decisive leadership here to put the safety and security of the American people first by accepting the recommendation of the Deputy Attorney General to remove uh, Director Comey as the head of the FBI. Democratic U.S. Senator Joe Donnelly said there are serious questions about the decision and called for a special prosecutor to continue an investigation into Russian interference in the election. Congressman Todd Rakita, a potential U.S. Senate candidate, took aim at Donnelly over that statement, saying the senior senator was, quote, showing his true colors with his cynical, politically motivated calls for an investigation and locking arms with extreme liberals in their phony outrage. Is Todd Rakita the one politicizing this situation? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Jennifer Hollowell, John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Indiana Public Broadcasting State House reporter Brandon Smith. Jennifer Hollowell, Donnelly is calling for an independent prosecutor. Is that cynical, politically motivated, or, or, or phony outrage? Well, I, th- I think it's certainly politically motivated. Um, you know, Senator Donnelly is representing a state that voted for President Trump by 19 points. So Senator Donnelly has 19 points of reasons to root against this administration. And I think that that's part of what you see here. What I think is interesting also is how quickly Democrats have changed their opinion about Mr. Comey. Just last week, Hillary Clinton was speaking somewhere and was quoted blaming him for her election loss. And then just a few days later, they've now decided to rush to his aid and and defend him. Both parties have had issues with this director. And now I think is the time to move on and uh, install a new director. And I don't think, by the way, that that's going to impact what's happening at the FBI. I think that the men and women who are working on this investigation or any other investigation are going to continue doing the work that they were doing last week, next week. Was this a political move from Joe Donnelly? No, I think it is a legitimate move. We operate in this country under the rule of law. And a reasonable interpretation of what Donald Trump did over the last week, changing his position on Comey from being courageous and the best guy out there, to if the information out there is correct, asking for a loyalty oath from Comey and not getting it, and asking, having Comey ask for more funds to continue the investigation, and guess what? Then he gets fired. A reasonable interpretation is that's obstruction of justice. 
That's a reasonable interpretation of that. And that calls for an independent prosecutor. That's the same thing that got Richard Nixon in trouble in 1974. And an independent prosecutor is the only way to do it. And you can't even believe the reasons. I mean, he sends Pence out there, again, to lie, saying it was the recommendation of Sessions and the deputy attorney general. And then Trump gets on television himself and says, I'd already decided to fire them no matter what they said. I mean, which is the truth? And how many times does Mike Pence get lied to before he catches on? You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. You can't, they can't even keep their story straight for a 24-hour election uh, TV cycle. It is a reasonable interpretation that, that, Donald, that Donald Trump was trying to obstruct justice, and it calls for an independent prosecutor. What do you make of Rokita's statement responding to Donnelly's statement? He went kind of both barrels at Joe Donnelly here. <laughs> both barrels, the entire clip. I mean, he, um, uh, he unloaded, no, no doubt about it. And I think that he just can't help himself sometimes. Um, he was able to make his point. He didn't think that a special prosecutor was necessary. Uh, but, to, you know, to go off on the D.C. Donnelly and, uh, you know, his liberal friends is really just plain campaign mode. And it seems inappropriate at the time when you're trying to make a statement about national security issues, uh, the firing of the uh, FBI director, which is a very unusual circumstance. And so I just think that, um, you know, he might try a little decaf because the election is still 18 months away and he is acting like it's a month from now. And uh, I think that's going to wear pretty thin. Yeah, so we're a, a little less than a year away from the primary, 18 months away from the general election. I mean, how do you, if you're Todd Rakita, how do you go up from here? How do you ramp up from here? What does that even look like? Would this be the marathon equivalent of peaking too soon in your training, I guess? Maybe uh, at mile one. I wouldn't run, I don't run marathons like Ann, so I don't know the, the notion of peaking too soon. But uh, uh, clearly, I think this is an indication of the tenor of the primary campaign and the campaign to follow. It will be scorched earth. Uh, even on the Republican side. I mean, we've seen hints of that already. Uh, even though this one certainly was, was aimed at the, Repub at the Democratic incumbent, I think we have already had uh, a bit of a flavor of, of some of the shots that will be taken in the primary. And, and keep in mind, in terms of this attack, there are now some Republicans who have come forward to request a or propose a special prosecutor, including, I believe, Representative Chaffetz, who is has been active in a lot of the investigations on behalf of the more conservative wing of the Republican Party on Benghazi and any number of other issues, and now is saying, hey, we need to do this as well. So it's not as if this is granted, yes, the, the voice is loudest on the, on the Democratic side of the aisle in terms of the call for a special prosecutor, but it's not exclusively. Yeah. Well, time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question, should the president appoint a special prosecutor to continue an investigation into Russian interference in the election? A yes or B no. Last week's question, who was responsible for the phony Todd Rakita Twitter account announcing a run for Senate? 15% say it was someone associated with Luke Messer. 13% say someone with Joe Donnelly. 51% say it was someone having to do with Todd Rakita. And 21% say it was somebody else. If you would like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash iwir and look for the poll. A new report this week that Jennifer Messer, wife of Congressman and potential Senate candidate Luke Messer, gets paid $20,000 a month to do part-time legal work for the city of Fishers. The detailed story from the Associated Press shows that Messer's work with the city began years ago, before her husband joined Congress through a legal firm she worked at. 
But in the last two years, as the city restructured its government and hired full-time staff attorneys, that firm stopped doing work for the municipality, but Messer did not. That deal is for $240,000 a year for primarily part-time work the last two years, while the Messers live in the Washington, D.C. area. That's more than Fisher's full-time attorneys make. It's more than most Indiana government staff attorneys make, including counsel for Governor Eric Holcomb. The Indiana Democratic Party calls the deal murky and eyebrow-raising, while government watchdog groups expressed outrage. Congressman Messer, in a statement, says criticisms of his wife's work are wrong and unfair, calling her the brains of the outfit. And Delaney, there's nothing illegal going on here. Uh, the report makes that clear. So is this bad form to really attack a potential candidate's spouse? Well, I don't know that they're attacking the potential candidate's spouse. It seems to me it's the judgment of the mayor of Fishers that ought to be under attack here. I mean, he says he's going to lower the cost of legal representation when actually he's now added another attorney and paying $20,000 a month to somebody who hasn't been here uh, in years and hasn't attended a meeting in Fishers in a couple of years. It's not illegal. She's not subject to ghost employment. She's an outside em employee. But if you tell this to the general public, does that somehow increase the public's um, faith in how the system works and that people aren't using it for advantage to themselves monetarily? I don't think so. The mayor's got a lot to explain, it seems to me, on this. It's a $250,000, almost $250,000 investment in somebody who's really not there. And that's pretty hard to explain when you realize what, what Eric Holcomb's uh, chief counsel makes and, and what Joe Hogsett's chief counsel makes for 60-hour-a-week jobs. Mayor Fadness talks about, um, talks about the work that, that pointed to the, some of the work that, that Jennifer Messer has done, including the, the IKEA deal uh, that's obviously huge for the city of Fishers. But politics is perception. The fact that they're paying this much money to the wife of a congressman and potential U.S. Senate candidate, does that just look bad enough that this shouldn't be going on? This is like, this is outrageous. And I, I can't believe some of the things that I just heard you say. I mean, how unprogressive to criticize a working mother who's working from home. I don't care if she's working from home in Shelbyville or Fishers or Virginia. She is working from home. I know Jennifer Messer. I have worked with her. Um, her work ethic cannot be matched by nearly anyone I know. But the specifics of this deal, so people may have sticker shock about this amount, but this is specialized legal work. And it's legal work that cities all across the state and other government entities pay outside counsel for, or these legal fees are, are structured inside of economic development deals. So what she does, and what she's done over the last two years, is author and negotiate 35 different economic development deals, that doesn't count all the ones that may not have come to fruition or other legal work that she's done, if they were paying general law firm rates, they would be paying two and three times the amount that they are paying yeah. for this. Absolutely a fact. Her, the hourly rate that this comes out to, that she's billing, is half or maybe a third of what How do we know that? Since we don't know pay. how many hours she put well, in. Well, be because they in didn't release it. they said it's less than $200 an hour, her okay, hourly rate. but they and need is, to release the hours is, so that we can see that. Don't you agree? So Th They won't release the records for the last uh, two years. Uh, I believe that they have released no, that No, they today. released two months. No, that's I all. Don't, I don't think that's right. So what I'm saying is this is actually a better deal financially. I understand that people may not be familiar with what attorneys pay or, or bill hourly, but they are spending less. I am familiar less. with it. I and also if, am familiar with look, our time she's employment. She's doing work that in deals, if you look at other cities, and if we want to go look at other cities around the state, I guarantee you will find 
hundreds of thousands of dollars. You'll also be able to see the hours that they work and major John, and they probably are actually like living this. in the city. John, on the political it's, side of this, Jennifer, some of the some of the things that Jennifer's just talked about is is what some of the reaction to this has been. You know, you're essentially attacking a working a working mother here. Is this an, is this something that will get end up being part of the election process, or would this be quickly forgotten and put aside? Uh, I'm not sure it will be not sure it will be forgotten. Uh, now I think Fishers could probably expedite the forgetfulness if if that's going to happen by releasing all of the records, for instance, that the Associated Press requested. And my understanding now maybe they have released some of the they've released uh, the the overarching financial numbers, right. but not the monthly Hours. billable statements. Right. And by refusing to release that. Again, right. it doesn't look good. So, so I would suggest that, that Mayor Fadness, Scott Fadness, just say we have nothing to hide, and so uh, we're going to release this. The other point I would just make briefly is he says that uh, the complexity of the deals here, uh, and I don't doubt that. These are, when you're an 88, 90,000 person community, you probably have more deal complexity than you would if you were well, you know, a one stoplight town. Of deals that Fisher's I would just point doing. out that during the time that he's been there, they've seen, even as town manager or deputy town manager since 2009, basically the city has grown about 15 percent But if you, in terms of population. But if you look back prior to his arrival and prior to Jennifer Messer's arrival, there was 100 percent plus growth the decade prior to that. And in the 90s, there was a 400% growth. In the 80s, there was no, nearly a 300% growth. So maybe somebody, the argument maybe there is somebody, <laughs> some attorney who was negotiating those deals during those explosive <laughs> no, growth periods should be coming back more. with a cup out. It, it exactly. is also offensive to act as if she has this position because of her husband. Jennifer Messer was the attorney right. for the with town the, of Fishers years before Luke Messer went to nobody's Congress. Suggesting, and accompli- nobody's no, they suggesting are suggesting that. it. No, they're not. Yes, they are what they're suggesting, suggesting is... What you, you just suggested what they're, no, because it's his wife. No, I How did not. Excuse me, but I did not. What I said was, if she's doing that work, release the hours and show I us. Think they, I think they have released the hours. They have the not hours. done no, that. I think they, they have. No, they released two months. They released two months, April 16, not the April two 17, to show a year-over-year change. But I presume That's the AP asked asked for everything, right? I'm sorry? I'm assuming the AP asked for everything oh, under yeah. the period in it question. said in the story that right. they did. Moving on. Donald Trump, Trump Jr. headlined the Indiana Republican Party's fundraising dinner this week. Trump Jr. told the crowd of more than a 1,000 at the state's GOP dinner that they'd set a fundraising record for the annual event. The president's eldest son, who had campaigned in Indiana during the 2016 election, also urged Hoosier Republicans not to sit back and rest on their laurels. We can't take a big win at the presidency. We can't take an incredible young conservative Supreme Court justice in Neil Gorsuch and just bank on that. We can't take majorities in the House and the Senate and say, hey, they're, they're always going to do what they want because most of them on both sides are still in that D.C. mindset that I think my father will break. Trump pledged to the crowd that with their help, they'd have as big a win in 18 as they did in 16. John Ketzberg, I mentioned that Donald Trump Jr. campaigned here in Indiana and, and he promised that, that he would come back and help in, in what's going to be a very contentious Senate race here in 18. Is he someone who resonates with Indiana voters? Well, his father certainly did, and he carries the same name. Uh, And if the crowd is an indication, I think the answer is yes. Uh, They had a very big crowd. Um, And I think that there are still, uh, I think that that many people in Indiana who voted for Trump would vote for him again. 
And so I think to, until that changes, uh, I think he's a very effective message he, barrier. He promised that if, uh, if everybody worked hard and together, uh, that they would have as big a year in 18 as they had in 16. Given as big a year as they had in 16 here in this state, is that going to be possible no, to I replicate? No, I, I mean, and it has nothing to do with Donald Trump or, or who, which party's in control. Just no. I just, I mean, I still think that history can be a guide, and midterm elections tend to sour on the incumbent Republican or the, the incumbent president regardless of party affiliation. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, he's getting more involved. He was in Montana, I think, this week and right. with, with a race and some other parts. He's been rumored as a candidate to uh, take on uh, Andrew Cuomo as governor of New York, which means he's running the company, <laughs> though, so I guess there'll be, have to be a blind trust for the blind trust. Well, it's not a blind trust. No, it's but not some, a blind but trust. But someone, someone uh, appointed to take care of the company while he goes in politics, perhaps. Yeah, but. I'd like to see him take on Cuomo. Um, is, a big, is big a year in 18 really possible? Well, I certainly hope so. But, but I will say, I mean, he, w- he did a great job speaking. He is a really good surrogate for um, his father. He was, he was funny. Uh, he talked about turkey hunting. I mean, he definitely uh, resonated crowd, well, connected right? with the crowd, and um, just did a fantastic job. And it was, I think, a record crowd for the Indiana Republican Party. So... Um, Chairman Kyle Hupfer and others deserve a lot of praise for would that. Would you wager that Donald Trump Jr. would be the one to, to, to make a, a record-setting fundraising number for the state GOP's dinner? You know, I think with the state GOP's dinner and the Democratic Party's dinner, we ought to treat them the same way as we do a candidate's announcement. Don't say anything bad about it. <laughs> Although Anne's working on the uh, Anne's working on the, adja- the adjustment for inflation right now, so she'll have the new, the new numbers well, out soon. Well, I would point out that the Democratic Party had a very good crowd, very robust crowd for theirs too. And they had Keith Ellison. And they didn't have Donald Trump Jr. Thank no, the they Lord. didn't. <laughs> that would have been an odd fit for that dinner. It would have been. The State Board of Education this week denied failing private schools access to new voucher money. Legislation recently signed by Governor Eric Holcomb allows private schools with failing state evaluation grades to ask the state board for a waiver to continue accepting school vouchers if they show academic improvements. Three schools tried to make use of those waivers this week, and all three failed to secure the waivers. The politically appointed board did vote 5-3 to to grant the waivers, but such actions need six votes for success. John Schwannis, should failing private schools have access to new voucher dollars? Well, I mean, it's tough to make the argument that they should, because remember, if you go back to 2011, when the Choice Program was first instituted under Mitch Daniels, the idea was that this is an escape valve for people who go to uh, would be in failing public schools, and if the public schools, and Mitch Daniels said as much, if you're in a public school and they have, uh, they do what they're supposed to do, and you get a good education, well, that's where you're going to stay. You have to, uh, you know, there have to be several hoops downward spiraling hoops that, that public schools would have to, to uh, fall through or jump through before you could qualify. Again, that was back in 2011 when there was a cap of, I think, 7,500 on yeah. scholarships. Now we're at 34,000. No and, and, well. and I think a, 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 maybe even half or more of the students who are currently in, voucher, in private schools funded in part by vouchers right. uh, never set foot in a, in, a, in a failing public school or, for that matter, well, any public, public any school. Public school. Right. So I think there has been a lot of latitude extended to the choice community, to the private school community, and this is just another is, one of those. This was an attempt but to do this another is, one. The, the law was it, 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 the law said you can ask for the waiver. It didn't say you have to get the waiver. The state board said five to three, yes, but you need six. So is the law working exactly the way it was designed to? 
Uh, I guess that's true, uh, given the fact that, that they have that discretion and they voted not to by virtue of not having enough votes. Um, I'm sure it was a cold uh, shower of water uh, for the folks who just assume that they get the law passed, that the board will comply. Um, maybe it was the board ex- exercising some independence. Maybe it was some true concern about uh, money flowing to schools that are otherwise uh, failing that might go to other schools that are succeeding. Uh, I think that, that you know, to John's point about how much has changed since 2011, the legislature's made monumental changes to the law and really opened it up in incredible ways. And we really don't have a full understanding of how this affects funding for all schools or uh, the marketplace for education that we now have established and how to handle schools that aren't doing what we expect them to do and that as to educate our children and uh, give them a chance to move forward. And it's if they're no failing, secret, they need to go. It's no secret that, of course, you're opposed to the school voucher program. Right. But is this exactly, did the state board do exactly what it was supposed to do in this situation and exercise its proper oversight and saying, well, nope, not for the First of all, it was three people on the state board. It wasn't a majority of the state board that exercised the proper oversight. And what this law was designed to do, from my understanding, was to allow the waiver to a failing school. So it turned it on its head. And I salute the three that voted that way, because it would be throwing good money after bad. I mean, the whole purpose of the voucher program was to get students in, quotes whatever the heck, schools that, that, that pass, or good schools as opposed to failing schools. My question is, this is just for new vouchers. Why aren't we taking the vouchers away from those schools that are failing? Why are we still subsidizing failing private schools? It makes no sense at all. I mean, the whole purpose of this was to increase the value and and the results of education. What we do know from this, we're not testing to see whether the scores are any better or anything else. We don't do that because we don't want to know. But the other part of that is we do know that a much larger percentage of the increased funding in education is going to the 6% of the students that are in vouchers and and not to the 94% who are in the regular traditional public schools. And that's a problem. Let's talk about the base law here. They, they gave the opportunity right. for for failing private schools. And this is not a one-year of failure. This is five or six years years of failure that you have to have, that you would no longer be able to get new voucher dollars. Why should that be allowed at all? Well, and in this instance, I think their grades have gone up over the last year. This decision now will freeze them for a year, and then they would have to have improving grades over, I think, two or three years before they could reapply or or have additional vouchers come. I mean, the thing that I think is interesting is that Anne thinks it's okay for a traditional public school to fail for 50 years and not, you know, Democrats didn't want any of them to shut down. They didn't want any takeover of schools. They didn't want any intervention like that. That's absolutely not correct. But but in this case, it's different. I I think that in the situation... So you're saying the failure in private schools is somehow good? I think in this situation... That you know the process played out as it should, and there is accountability. With three votes, and and you cannot predict the outcomes, right? People thought they knew what was going to happen coming into this, and based on the law, and, they and were it was different. And it was a good surprise. I, I want to ask this: so, so Indiana's voucher law has has already gotten has passed constitutional muster, muster according to the courts. Voucher programs around the country have been okayed by courts. But as Indiana continues to open up the program more and more and more and reduce the the hoops at this point there are almost none to to get them is that going to put the the whole program at risk potentially because uh the audience is is changing and therefore members of the general assembly uh 
are being affected, their constituents are being affected in ways that in 2011, this probably was not envisioned. It was an urban issue. You had a relatively large percentage initially of disadvantaged student populations by race and socioeconomic factors. Now, uh, those numbers have fallen by as much as 50%, for instance, in terms of some of the racial minorities who are, have been beneficiaries of this. It's going much more to uh, the, the majority public to the to the rural to the suburban community the suburban, and I don't think it's going very much to the rural there aren't a lot, a lot uh, of alternatives it's, in the it's, rural. it's some it's though, some suburban. so it's I think it, it it's bound to change the dynamic a little bit uh, for people who thought this was going to be somebody else's issue to deal with now it's in those lawmakers backyards and that so. means there's funding for the traditional public schools in those areas is yeah, going you're down talking legislative changes I think as it continues to change it also opens up for a creative lawyer possible legal challenges as right. well exactly. so that could happen yeah. all right so finally at the state GOP's fundraising dinner that we talked about the party was selling Eric Holcomb bobbleheads but I gotta tell you they didn't look much like Eric Holcomb They've drawn comparisons to Bob Woodward, Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World, but without the mustache, and former U.S. Senate Majority Leader Trent Lott. So, Ann Delaney, what does this bobblehead look like? Wow. <laughs> I don't know, but I think, I think you should go buy one. They could be a collector's item when he's a one-term governor. Wow. <laughs> what, is, what does the bobblehead look like to you? Well, I saw the basketball and the cup of coffee. I knew instantly that it was Governor Holcomb. Oh, that's, wow. Because it has a name on the bottom. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Jennifer Hollowell, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Katzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity. I'm Brandon Smith of Indiana Public Broadcasting. Join us next time, because a lot can happen in an Indiana week. Ice Miller is proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.